0: Hello and welcome back to Christianity Unmasked, the show where we delve deep into theological concepts and explore how they shape our understanding of God, the universe, and our daily lives. I'm your host Jamal Bob, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us for today's episode. In last week's episode we talked about what the Trinity is isn't. Today, we're tackling a cornerstone of the biblical aspects of the Trinity. We're going to dig deep into the biblical foundations of this doctrine to better understand how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit coexist as one God yet remain distinct persons. Now, you might be wondering, why is the doctrine of the Trinity so important in Christianity? Great question! The concept of the Trinity isn't just some esoteric theological idea. It's a critical foundation that informs our understanding of God's nature, how God interacts with the world, and even how we relate to God and to one another. Understanding the Trinity can enrich our spiritual lives, deepen our faith, and help us to better grasp the great mystery that is God. But before we dive in, it's important to note that the Trinity is often misunderstood, even within Christian circles. There are various misconceptions out there, like modalism, which suggests that God simply switches hats, so to speak, depending on the situation, or tritheism, which incorrectly posits that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three separate gods. Today, part of our mission is to clarify these and other misconceptions, using the Bible as our guide. So, whether you're a seasoned theologian or someone just curious about Christian doctrine, this episode has something for you. Stay tuned as we embark on this theological journey together, right here on Christianity Unmasked. The Trinity is a central doctrine in Christianity that posits the existence of one God in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is not to be confused with the idea of three separate gods, rather, it emphasizes a complex unity. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. Yet, they are not three gods, but one God existing in three persons. This teaching tries to put into human words the divine mystery of God's nature, and while it might appear paradoxical, it is a formulation born out of a careful reading of Scripture and centuries of theological reflection. Understanding the Trinity is not merely an academic exercise, but serves as a cornerstone for Christian theology and practice. Firstly, the Trinitarian understanding of God provides the framework for interpreting the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Jesus as the Son is not a separate deity, but God incarnate, fully sharing in the divine nature. Secondly, it shapes our understanding of salvation. In the Trinitarian framework, the Father sends the Son to achieve redemption, and the Holy Spirit applies that work of redemption to individual lives. This relational aspect within the Godhead manifests, in the way God relates to humanity, and the world, illustrating a God who is not solitary, but exists in an eternal relationship of love and mutual giving. Finally, understanding the Trinity has profound implications for Christian practices like worship, prayer, and community life. For instance, in our worship, we direct our praise and thanksgiving to the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity also provides a model for human relationships, mirroring the divine harmony, unity, and mutual love that should exist among believers. Understanding the Trinity can be challenging, and it's easy for misconceptions to arise. Here's a look at some common misunderstandings. One of the most prevalent misconceptions about the Trinity is modalism, the idea that God exists in modes and switches between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit depending on the situation. This notion, while perhaps seeming logical on the surface, negates the biblical revelation that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinct persons who exist simultaneously. For instance, during Jesus' baptism in the New Testament, all three persons of the Trinity are present the Father speaks from heaven, the Son is baptized, and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. This simultaneous appearance of all three persons dispels the idea of modalism, affirming that God does not switch roles, but exists eternally as three distinct persons within the Godhead. On the opposite end of the spectrum from modalism is tritheism, which posits that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three separate and distinct gods. This is also inconsistent with biblical teachings. The Bible is clear that there is only one God. In the Trinitarian understanding, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not separate gods but are distinct persons sharing the same divine essence. They are co-equal and co-eternal, perfectly united in will, purpose, and nature, while remaining distinct persons. Another misconception is partialism, the belief that each person of the Trinity is a part of God, thus collectively making up the whole deity. This would imply that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are each only one-third God, which is contrary to biblical teachings. In the Christian understanding, each person of the Trinity is fully God, possessing the fullness of the divine essence. Scripture confirms this, stating, for example, that in Jesus all the fullness of the deity lies in bodily form Colossians 2-9. These misconceptions, while understandable, deviate from the scriptural and historical Christian understanding of the Trinity. Being aware of these errors can aid in a more accurate and fruitful engagement with this central doctrine, One of the most intriguing aspects of the Old Testament is the use of the term Elohim to refer to God. Interestingly, Elohim is a plural noun, but it is often used with singular verbs when referring to the God of Israel. This grammatical anomaly has been seen as a hint toward the complex unity of God. Perhaps the most cited example is Genesis 1.26, where God says, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. The plural pronouns us, and our, have been interpreted by some as an early nod toward the plurality within the unity of God's nature. Throughout the Old Testament, there are instances where an angel of the Lord appears and speaks as if he is God himself. For example, in Genesis 22, the angel of the Lord speaks to Abraham, saying, Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son, Genesis 22.12. In this and other instances, the angel of the Lord is not merely a messenger, but seems to embody God Himself, leading some to see this figure as a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. The Spirit of God also frequently appears in the Old Testament, playing active roles in creation, sustenance, and prophetic activity. Right from the beginning, in Genesis 1-2, the Spirit of God is described as hovering over the waters of the unformed world, Later, prophets like Isaiah speak of the Spirit of the Lord coming upon them, Isaiah sixty one to one empowering them to prophecy. These instances are seen as early indicators of the role of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, active in the world long before the coming of Christ. While the Old Testament may not spell out the doctrine of the Trinity in the way that the New Testament does, these examples illustrate how the Hebrew Scriptures provide a foundation upon which later Trinitarian theology was built. In Matthew 3, verse 16 to 17, we find one of the clearest depictions of the Trinity in action. As Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, the heavens open, the Spirit of God descends like a dove, and a voice from heaven, presumed to be the Father, says, This is my Son, whom I love, with Him I am well pleased. Here, all three persons of the Trinity are distinctly present and active, each participating in the event in a way that aligns with their unique personhood. Matthew 28:19 provides another compelling piece of evidence. Here, Jesus instructs his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The use of the singular name rather than names emphasizes the oneness of God, while the listing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit affirms their distinctiveness within the Godhead, the Apostle Paul's writings also contain Trinitarian themes, particularly emphasizing the unity within the Trinity. Ephesians 4, verse 4-6, for example, states, There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Here, Paul succinctly captures the unity and diversity of the Trinity, referring to the Spirit, the Lord, and God the Father. John's Gospel, and letters also offer significant insights into the Trinitarian nature of God. In the prologue to his gospel, John 1-1 states, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This word is later identified as Jesus, who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John 1.14. The Johannine epistles further delve into this, with passages like 1 John 5, verse 7-8 discussing the testimonial unity of the Spirit. The water, often interpreted as referring to baptism, Or to Jesus' earthly ministry and the blood, indicating the redemptive work of Jesus. These New Testament passages, among others, serve as key pillars in constructing the doctrine of the Trinity. They affirm the existence of one God in three persons, each fully divine and distinct yet perfectly united. This understanding profoundly shapes Christian faith and practice, serving as the basis for how we understand God, salvation, and the Christian life, One of the earliest creeds, the Apostles' Creed, although not explicitly Trinitarian, lays a foundation by affirming the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a way that would influence later Trinitarian formulations. It opens with, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, and goes on to speak of Jesus Christ, His only Son, and the Holy Spirit. While not delving into the nuanced relationships among the three persons, the Apostles' Creed serves as an embryonic stage for the development of Trinitarian doctrine, the Nicene Creed, established by the Council of Nicaea in the year 325 took a decisive step in articulating the doctrine of the Trinity. The Council convened primarily to address the Arian heresy, which denied the divinity of Christ. The Nicene Creed not only affirmed the divinity of Jesus Christ as God of God, Light of Light, Very God of Very God, but it also set the stage for a more developed understanding of the Trinity, culminating in the concept of Homoousios, meaning of the same substance, to describe the Father, and the Son. In the first few centuries, early theologians and church fathers like Augustine, Athanasius, and the Cappadocian fathers contributed significantly to Trinitarian thought. Their writings delved into the complexities of the Godhead and helped to articulate the relationships between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They drew from both Old and New Testaments to defend and expound upon the concept of one God in three persons, thereby codifying what would become central to Christian belief and worship. The early Church's effort to articulate the doctrine of the Trinity was not a quest for philosophical abstraction, but rather a pursuit of faithfulness to the biblical revelation of God's nature. It was a theological response to the questions and heresies of the time, aiming to provide a framework for believers to understand the God they worshipped. The Trinity offers a profound model of relationship and community within the Godhead itself, The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in a perfect unity characterized by mutual love, respect, and submission. This divine community provides a model for human relationships, calling us towards unity, mutual love, and shared purpose. The eternal relationship within the Trinity is often cited as the ultimate example of agape love, selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. Understanding this can radically shape how we view and practice relationships, striving for selflessness, unconditional love, and perfect unity in our interactions with others. The Trinitarian understanding of God also deeply informs our relationship with Him. Each person of the Trinity plays a specific role in our salvation and spiritual growth. The Father, as the source of all, initiated our salvation and continually draws us to Himself. The Son, Jesus Christ, accomplished our salvation through His death and resurrection and now serves as our advocate and high priest. The Holy Spirit indwells believers, guiding, empowering, and sanctifying us as we grow in faith. Understanding these distinct roles enriches our spiritual lives, allowing us to relate to God in a fuller and more nuanced way. Embracing the doctrine of the Trinity thus provides a theological foundation for understanding God's nature, a model for our own relationships, and a framework for understanding the multifaceted grace that sustains our spiritual lives. The Trinity is not just a theological point to be debated, but a divine reality that impacts every aspect of our Christian faith, In practice. Feel free to use these insights in your podcast or any educational endeavors you're involved with. I believe when people are asking the question of whether the Trinity is biblical or not, they are simply looking for the specific word Trinity itself, in which it is true the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible, but the actual question that should be asked is what is the Trinity, that being the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then that in fact is very much in the Bible. It would appear that the argument hinges on simply providing a name to the Oneness, that exists between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rather than arguing whether the Bible mentions the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning into this episode, where we've journeyed through the fascinating and foundational topic of the Trinity in the Bible. We explored how this doctrine is hinted at in the Old Testament through terms like Elohim, and instances like the appearance of the Angel of the Lord. We touched on its clearer revelation in the New Testament, particularly in the teachings of Jesus and the Apostle Paul. We also looked at the historical development of this doctrine through early creeds and the writings of church fathers. Most importantly, we discussed the practical implications of the Trinity for our everyday lives. It's not just an abstract theological concept, but a profound truth that shapes our understanding of God and impacts our relationship with Him and with others. The Trinity models perfect love and relationship, and understanding its dynamics enriches our spiritual journey. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Do you have any questions or comments about what we've discussed today? Is there a specific aspect of the Trinity you'd like to explore further? Your insights and questions are invaluable, so please feel free to reach out. That wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us on this theological exploration. Until next time, may you grow in your understanding of the rich and beautiful truth of our Triune God.